Hello, listener. Do you like scary movies? What's your favorite scary movie? Well, Jay and Mike like scary movies, too. You should go and subscribe to their podcast. We watched a movie. Because if you don't, I'll gut you like a... Well, I think you get the idea. Enjoy yourselves while you still can. Hey guys, welcome back to We Watch Movie. I am Mike. Thanks for taking a moment of your day to spend it with me in a long moment today because today we're talking Scream Ah! Six spoilers and it's exciting. It's a good time to be alive. If you watch the regular review with no spoilers in it, you'll see that I absolutely adored the movie. I went and saw it a second time last night and it was actually a really embarrassing moment because I go up to the ticket taker, right? And I'm by myself and I, I pull up the ticket and he scans yesterday's ticket and he's like, uh, this is for yesterday. And I was like, oh... Yeah, no, uh, let me get today's ticket. He goes, two days in a row? By yourself? I'm like, yeah, fucker, just scan the ticket. But no, he was actually really cool. He was like, slay, legitimately did that. And I was like, all right, buddy. Why did I turn to Australian all of a sudden? Sounds good, mate. This way, then. He was a cool dude. I like that ticket taker. But anyway, enough about me and being weird at movie theaters with men. What I'm trying to say here is that I love Scream 6. I thought it was awesome. We're going to get all the way into it. Let's just start now. Let's get deep inside. But first, but wait, there's more. Do me a favor if you guys would. If you enjoy the video, please click that like button. And also, if you want more Scream content, this is just the tip. Ouch, ouch, you're on my hair. There's going to be so much Scream content. We're re-ranking the killers, the movies, all of it, the openings. We're going to have a blasty blast with this all over our fa all over the town. And I hope you guys will uh, click subscribe and the bell so that your computer, phone, or whatever will notify when those videos go up so we can party together, including on Monday when we're having a giant live spoiler party, and I'm going to talk about it with you guys, so it's going to be awesome. So the opening, I don't know where to rank it yet, that's going to be a whole video in itself, but an excellent, excellent opening, I thought. Now, bummed out, of course, that uh, Samara Weaving was the opening kill, because for me, Samara Weaving in this franchise is like when Zack Snyder put in the Doomsday Kill uh, obviously my favorite you know comic book of all time and he forced it in the batman vs superman movie because i was like that's like three movies in its own i mean it was cool it was nice to see just like it was nice to see samara weaving but for me samara weaving's the perfect final girl like the way she was in ready or not she could take a scream franchise and just you know be the sydney of it easy any day of the week so the fact that she was cast in this with radio silence i was like perfection that's amazing and then when she gets cast, I was like, ooh, trailer's giving me opening kill vibes. And that was my prediction for the opening kill for a while until I saw something on that screen poster that in the background of the screen poster on that little TV, it said the McKenzie family found slain. And that never really went anywhere. You know, I thought that that was a hint to what was going to happen. I thought we were going to see the first scream opening where multiple members of a family are killed by multiple different ghost face. That was my that became my prediction. They never did anything with the McKenzie family, so I don't know what that little news blurb was about. It just meant nothing. And sometimes things don't mean anything at all. Like me to my parents. But no, alas, Samara Weaving is the opening kill. She comes on. She's she's on this date, right? She's on the date with this guy, and she's all nervous about it, which was adorable because I just love Samara Weaving. But she goes out. He tricks her to come in the alley. And what was cool was when that voice changer comes on, and you hear her go, ka -ching! 
It either sounded like when they're taking pictures in every Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie of all time in the trailer, or like, I don't know, when like the Ghostbusters are like throwing on their ecto packs or something. It's just a cool noise. And you could hear the voice changer switching when he gets her out in the alleyway. And I love the fact that she's a film slasher professor. That's just a cool little add-on. And it gave him a chance to talk about movies for a second in the opening act, which is always nice. And they get her out there and just comes out of nowhere and just stabby stabs. And you immediately Ghostface is a little bit more violent than usual, a little bit, but a little bit more angry. He's had he's had his coffee this morning, and he's just going to town. And obviously, the big dude Ghostface has so many awesome one liners in this. Does he not? I think this may be the coolest dialogue Ghostface has had since the original film. Ghostface is absolutely one of my favorite. Everything aside, who the killers are aside, all that pushed aside. Just Ghostface, the movements, the head swivels, the words. Roger Jackson. Roger Jackson was on some shit on this one. He was he was at his peak. I don't know if he just recently found caffeine or like what. He's always amazing. He's always the undersung aspect of these movies. He was even in adding weird little <laughs> weird creepy laughs and shit. Stuff he hasn't done before. He upped his game up for sure. But anyways, one of the things when he's trying trying to pull her out into the alley he's like yeah i can't find where i'm going you said it was red right she's like yeah do you see anything red when he gets her out in there and he's stabbing her he's like now i see something red boom and that was just man that was a good one-liner and you thought that was the end of the one-liners no that's not the end of the fucking one-liners jim and that's not the end of the opening either he bends down to look at her and he goes to take off his mask and you're thinking what the and it's tony revelori and you're like oh shit did we just what's happening right now so immediately my wheels start turning and i'm like oh my god here we go cult of Ghostface. i was right get it up i'm the best i'm the best there is at what i do i'm not at all it wasn't and they teased me with this so many times in this movie i was like cult of ghost fuck it was so close so many times uh but we did get a little taste of stuff but anyways moving on he reveals himself just Cleans up, starts walking down the street. I'm like, you're totally going to get caught for murder. There's got to be a hair or something. A street camera caught you. This is not the 70s, bud. You got to be way more careful than that. And he's just all nonchalant about it. Doesn't even throw up when he gets back to the apartment like a normal person after they murder someone. So he gets back to the apartment and he calls his friend because he's not there. And his friend calls him as Ghostface. And you realize, of course, that they were their plan was to kill the sisters and finish Richie's movie was their whole idea. And he's got the apartment full of stuff. He's got ice nine kills on the fridge. He's got the same stab poster I've got on the wall. He's got a vertigo poster and they were film students. Jason's on the TV and he's talking about how, Oh, that bitch gave me a C plus or whatever. I'm like, okay, one thing here real quick, by the way, a couple slasher fans, the first person they're going to kill is not going to be their smoking hot slasher film studies teacher. Okay. They're going to let her live. Trust me on this one. They're not going to be stabbing her. You know what I mean? That's going to be, what no ghostface plays a game of hot and cold with him as he thinks it's his roommate or whatever and he kind of divulges his whole plan just one little tiny thing that he says in there that i just absolutely love was when he gets up to the uh up to the fridge and roger jackson's voice when he's like you're on fire it just reminded me of like nba jam or something man that voice is so sharp and crisp shit it's awesome he gets to the fridge and he opens it and it's his friend all cut up in the fridge and he's literally like his head's in there his, his leg he's like just body parts just piled up like jeffrey dahmer's lunch and i love it it's like over the top and a little bit extra in all the right ways and he perfect for a sixth movie in a slasher franchise right turns around ghost faces there stabs him and then just gets in them guts 
And you see, as he stabs, the intestines come out, which is nothing new in this franchise. This is a franchise that's not all that gory, but it does. It has been known to show the, the an intestine or two or four every once in nine times. And no stranger to that here, he stabs until that stuff starts to come out. And then another one-liner, Ghostface is like fucking Wiz Khalifa or whatever the fuck. Is that the guy? The one that's like, another one! I don't know, I'm old and fucking balding but he stabs it he's, he's like but we gotta finish the movie and he's like who gives a fuck about movies bam i think that was the line but and then we get the actual title drop so the opening as a whole it's one of the better openings but we're talking about a franchise that has mostly amazing openings i immediately put it above four for sure uh and from there on i don't know i like the rest of the openings four is the only one the only opening i don't like and this is another one and uh, a franchise full of just classic um, awesome openings and again i'm gonna miss stuff in this like i really am because there's so much happening in this movie it's a movie that like i could not wait to go see again as soon as i got out of the theater right like it was over and you know it's special to you when like within an hour you're like oh man when's when's the next fucking show time i'm gonna go to and that's how i felt about this one i just i absolutely loved it saw it again the second day in a row and there's so much happening so many moving pieces that i'm de- i'm destined to miss some stuff which is why the live stream on monday is going to be perfect because whatever i miss we will get to there it will happen we will have sex in your car again we see that sam is in therapy with henry Cizerni. it's kittredge you've never seen me upset awesome bad guy from the mission impossible franchise and he's 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 perfect for the therapist role in this just the way he talks like the succinct way i mean i'd watch that guy read a freaking cookbook all day long but anyways he's talking to her and she's and then you reveal it's revealed to you that someone started this rumor online that she's actually behind all the richie murders and stuff like that and she framed her boyfriend and all this crazy shit and that she's actually the evil one once it leaked that she was billy loomis's daughter and so she, you know, she's out in the street and people like throwing water on her shit. Like she's, she's living a hard life right now. Uh, and you know, honestly, that's something you can kind of see happening the way the world works right now. And it all ties into the motive at the end, which we'll get to, but she leans into that. And I did call this one. I did call this one. I said that the two biggest red herrings of this movie for fans were going to be Kirby and Sam. And I was actually right on that one. Uh, I missed all the things I was wrong about. I was right on that one. She starts to tell him. Yeah. And the problem was, is when I killed him, he's like, how'd you kill him? She's like, I stabbed him 23 times and slit his throat. And he's like, Oh, and she's like, yeah. And the problem is, is that I, something along the lines of, uh, my problem I'm having is that I enjoyed it. It felt right. It felt nice. And he's like, oh, so we're done here. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my office. So then we go into the core four and all those stories like that. But before I forget it, Ghostface does end up coming to Henry Cizerni's office. That's the scene, of course, with that badass frost window plate where his face just shows up in it. And he grabs his face, puts him up against the bars, which reminds me of that scene from um, uh, Tango and Cash. He's like, he broke my ribs, my jaw, and my nose. <laughs> If you've seen it, then you know. Uh, Tango and Cash rules, by the way. Rambo is a pussy. But he grabs him, smashes his face up against the bars, and then one of the coolest kills in the movie, of which there's so many cool kills, he stabs him in the nostril. Like, he stabs him right, I mean, right fucking there. And it goes all the way in. This this movie is obsessed with stabbing people in the face, man. But it stabs him, and it goes all the way in, and it's so gross when he hits the ground. Ghostface goes in, steals his file, great kill added to the lore of Ghostface. Forever and always, always and forever. I'm tired of pretending that 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 Still Alive song is not a banger, by the way. I just, it is. That song rules. I brushed my teeth to it. The soundtrack overall, by the way, it feels like 
kind of lackluster compared to like Scream 2 and Scream 3 and all that. I actually like the Scream 5 soundtrack a lot. A little bit disappointed with this soundtrack. There is some bangers on there, though, if you go and listen to it. Um, for sure. Like some, and they're all like in one little part, really at the party, there's like four straight songs or something, but some really good ones. I love the Mike Shinoda one walking by Denzel Curry. When it gets into the bridge or whatever it gets, it turns into a pretty badass song. I like it a lot. And then of course the classic red right hand plays twice in the movie and Dewey's theme plays at one point when Courtney Cox is talking about him. I actually got a little like sort of teary for a second when Gail was talking to, I didn't actually cry, uh, but I got a little teary when Gail was talking to Kirby uh, and she's like, or to uh, Sam and she's like, where the fuck is your mom at right now? And she's like, "Uh, well, she doesn't have anything to do with us. And she's kind of telling her story about why that is. And Gail's like, for some reason, Gail's speech to her about like, Hey, you know, my parents suck too. Sometimes you're alone in this world and you find somebody and then Dewey's theme song comes on with the doom, 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 doom. Did it feel a little forced? Yes. Did I also almost cry? Yes. So it's just one of those things. I feel like people are going to be one of two ways about that. I was both. I was by on that one. You might say, cause you know, I'm still alive. Good lyrics too. I'm not going to lie. But now in Patrick Bateman's voice, I like the part about being still alive that really captures the feeling and the moments and intensity of the film. We move on to find out what everybody's up to. They're all in college. They go to a party and immediately we get into this whole thing where Sam is obviously overprotective of Tara because she wasn't there for so long in her life. And then when she showed up, it was because people were getting stabbed in the face. So... That whole dynamic, actually, I think it played out really well. It, it it showed us how much this core four cares about each other. They showed us that multiple times throughout, whether it's them hanging out and talking and just having a conversation. I mentioned in the non-spoiler review, it kind of felt like a Friends episode, but like in a good way. I really enjoyed the way that those four interact, and I just I absolutely love them. And I think that they're good enough going forward to carry this franchise. I really do. Like, I no one's ever going to match the, the, the originals for me. I mean, we grew up with that, and it meant so much to us. I'm not saying that at all. I don't think you have to compare the two but i think this group is really great and they did an amazing job casting them now that we've had two movies with them they just they all work chad was the one that stood out the most to me i just fell in love with the guy in this one like and i was i wasn't like either way about him in the first movie but there's something about his character in this one whether he's at the party trying to get his you know his new roommate laid or he's protecting tara or however he's being he just seems like a good dude like a solid guy I liked him a lot, and I look, and when we'll get to what happens to him, but for a second there, I was like, God damn it, everybody I fucking like dies, <laughs> you know? It's weird, like, the, the this is actually the dead point of the film where, like, not a whole bunch of stuff is going on, and we're kind of doing the Dawson's Creek type shit, but I actually enjoy this moment of the film, not only because you see their characters build, but, like, I don't know, there was just something cool about it, like, it just, it kind of felt old school, it felt natural, just watching these characters kind of just be who they are going to be and, and learning that, you know, hey, Tara and Chad want to fuck. Of course they want to fuck. Look at them. So as far as the characters go, when, it, when we're introduced to Kirby and she's, we, as we thought, she's an FBI agent, I thought she was fine. Like, Kirby was great. It was nice to see Hayden Panettiere as Kirby on screen again. Yeah, it, it looks kind of weird that she's an FBI agent because it just seems like so long ago we were watching her be in high school, but that is what happens. People grow up and all sorts of people get crazy jobs in the world. The only thing that really feels shoehorned into me was Gail. And it's not, it's not about Courtney Cox's performance. She was fine, and I love the character of Gail. Again, yeah, I fucking think she should have died instead of Dewey. Of course I do, because that's the wrong kid died. But my point is, is that 
and, and I loved her scene, by the way. And let's talk about her scene for a minute. I thought that scene was great. Like, it was a great phone call. We finally got to hear them. That was Ghostface, some of his best one-liners and stuff. Some of the meanest shit he said was to her. It felt super meta when he was talking to her on the phone. And he's like, yeah, you never got to be the leading lady, did you? The shit he was saying to her about Dewey being killed. And she did a great job acting that scene, by the way. That felt that felt real natural. And then also about her never being the leading lady and all that stuff. Just mean as shit the lines that they had Ghostface say to her the only thing I didn't like about that scene is that if we're led to believe the killers are who the killers were then this was Quinn at this point right and again we go back to this and as people are going to say that scream man you can't judge who the reveal is based on the Ghostface that's just the way it always is and I understand that to a point, but I think after Amber being the alleged killer in five, we really need to start to sharpen that up here. I, I think this is the point where you get to it. It's one of my only detractors of the film is that that's Quinn in that scene based on how things work out. And I mean, her boyfriend, which I'm assuming is her boyfriend, just like, I mean, here today, gone to fucking Morrow, buddy. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was it's like the aliens beamed him right out of the movie. He had like one line like, hey, Gail, phone, fucking dead. And she just ninjas him silently with no noise, as you've seen, and takes him out of the scene, picks that big dude up, throws him through the shelf into the floor, and he goes rolling like a fucking strongman competition, all right? I would have thrown that guy. I would have got him like a foot and a half. So the fact that she's doing that, and the fact that he dies so easily, and really, by the way, Gail doesn't give a shit. And I think that that part's fine because she's been through so much damn trauma. And for all we know, this is a fucking Tinder date. So that's one thing you got to think about there as well. But the chase scene, all that was great. Great. The awesome ghost face type stuff. Gail gets stabbed in the leg. She gets stabbed in the shoulder, pushed down on the shoulder, stabbed multiple times. And I'm thinking at this point, Gail may actually die. So I liked her scene because that scene specifically is one of those intense scream scenes. You know, to be honest, when Sydney's getting chased by someone in the middle of the movie, you know for a fact she's not going to die. So whenever Sydney's being chased by Ghostface, it's really not that intense to no fault of Nev Campbell or any of that. But when it's Gail or anybody else, like it's, it's like all bets are off. So like you're tense, you're on the edge of your seat, like, oh my God, is this, is it? Gail survives, and it's a running theme that'll go through this movie and the entirety of it, and it's a little stretchy, all right? It's a little stretchy pants McGee here for us. You got to... It makes you stretch your believabilities a little bit because multiple characters, Chad fucking, he was stabbed like 37 fucking times, you know? And then of course, by the end of the movie, they're like, we got another one. And I'm like, yes, that makes no fucking sense. But yes, because I was just so bummed to have Chad gone because I just fell in love with this character in this movie. But that happens to multiple. Kirby shot multiple times, stabbed in the stomach again. Basically, by the way, in this franchise at this point, stomach, stomach stabs are just stab wounds or flesh wounds. That's all they are at this point. It's just one of those things. I, I feel like it'd be so much, so easy to tighten little stuff like that up for sure. And I get where people do complain about it. It just doesn't ruin the movie for me. It's men you get stabbed deep up in the stomach, I think several times. If not, if it was just the once, she gets it pushed in. The Mindy scene on the train was intense as hell i loved it like it was so good that was that was the part where i was talking about was actually scary to me when she's standing on the train and like he just keeps getting closer and the lights go black it reminded me of that movie devil midnight Shyamalan's devil um that he wrote when it would go black and shit would just happen so when the lights go out and she's standing there and he keeps getting closer and then he's just fucking staring at her the the feeling of that like helplessness around all those people is just it, it comes through, I feel like. I feel like they, they talked about doing that, and this is the scene where it really, really shows up because 
he got to her anyways, you know? And, like, you're in this awkward, anxiety-fueled situation where you don't want to freak out, and then he takes it off, and it's some teenager, and you're embarrassed. It's like it's like having anxiety. You're like, I'm going to pass out or throw up on my shoes right here in front of everybody. Everybody's going to think I'm a fucking freak. Um, and, really, that's what you're doing to yourself. So that's kind of how that scene felt to me. So I thought it was intense and really good. But, again, I'm going to be honest. I love Mindy's character, but I kind of feel like they probably should have killed her off there. I mean, just... Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think that just to just to keep the edge going and not have all these people surviving, someone's got to go. And again, it would have been so easy for Ghostface to pull the knife out and slit her throat. That's a that's a little bit of a running theme through this movie too. There's several times where Ghostface has people dead to right. All right, he could he could have taken this person that person out. It's been that way the entire franchise though. It's just the way it goes with these movies. But yeah, uh, a little bit more practicality here and there for sure. But again, I'm not going to let one tiny thing about a scene dictate the whole thing. That scene was fucking awesome, and it was filmed amazing, and and the movements of Ghostface were dope, and it'll be it'll live in my mind as far as this franchise goes forever. It was an awesome scene in a subway. Take the good stuff. It's not all about the bad, Jim. My two favorite newcomers for sure. Dimit, Dermot Mukulroney Duchovny, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> uh, I get him confused all the time. I think everybody does. But, like, I thought he was awesome. And we'll talk about the reveal and how he was there. But throughout the movie, I thought he was great. When he was dying because his daughter, Quinn, supposedly died. One of the biggest issues with the movie, by the way, which we'll get to. Um, everything about him. Just him on the phone, whether he's being his normal cop self or he's being a crazy person or he's being grieving father. I just I thought that guy was charismatic as shit on screen. I laughed at him several times. He had great one-liners before he was Ghostface and after. I I love that that addition to the movie. I thought he was great. Josh Shigara, fucking awesome. Like I he barely in the movie at all, right? But like just a weird dude. Like he has just a weird thing about him. I swear to God, if you watch the movie Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal, he's the exact same person. Like talks the same way, same mannerisms, looks like Jake Gyllenhaal in that movie. That's that's one of my favorite boxing movies of all time. So it works out for me great. I, I love how they set him up on this because in the next movie, he's going to be able to be not not one of the core four, but he's going to be one of the main members of the cast because now they can trust him because he's been through some stuff together. But I cannot wait to see him be a bigger part of the movie because he was really interesting to me. I like that guy. I just like the way you fucking walk, Thomas. So those are my two favorite new coming characters. And talk going swinging back around real quick to the whole Gale situation. Gale... They handled the Sydney departure perfectly. I mean, it was just simple, right to the point. When she looks at him, and, she, and they're like, Sydney's not coming, is she? And she's like, no. She took Mark and the kids, and, and they went into hiding. She was like, she deserves to have her happy ending. They let Gail say it, which was perfect, to have Courtney Cox, her friend, say that. And just, man, I cannot believe that, like, that is exactly word for word what I would have said. I swear to God. That's my whole thing with the Sydney thing. Like, I don't mind her not being in the movie. I don't mind her being in the movie. It's not that I don't want her here. But her not being in the movie, again, allowed all these characters to have some more flesh out time and for us to really fall in love with the core four a little bit more. And also, I mean, when it comes to her character, like, I've literally said that, like, she deserves a happy ending. For her to keep living her life being stabbed over and over again is, it's, it, it, it it diminishes her plight in the other films a little bit. Like, why are we so happy to see Sydney survive if we know in a year she's just going to be attacked by another fucking ghost face? So at some point, it's like, and you can't have her die because that would be even worse. And you can't have her be ghost face because that, that feels cheap. And again, it would just ruin her plight for the rest of the movies, I feel like. So either you take her down a Laurie Strode road where she's so fucked up from PTSD and what they did in Halloween, which I really don't want them to do. 
or you just let her have a happy ending. And I think that makes the perfect amount of sense. And literally verbatim, word for word, that's how I would have written that one. I absolutely love that. And I, I just think they handled that perfectly. And it leaves the door open. If she wants to come back, she can. But if not, what a beautiful send-off. You had five, and Gail saying she deserves to have her happy ending. You're goddamn right she does. So the apartment scene. This is a movie kind of of set pieces, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the, the whole attack in the apartment, it's kind of crazy because Josh Agura's character's over here, cute boy, or over here's over here, and he sees Ghostface in Quinn's room, which is kind of weird because it's like, you know, what... If Quinn is Ghostface, why is Ghostface in a room? And my guess is that they had planned it. He came in there and he was killing the dude in the bathtub who literally got no screen time. Paul 2.0, babe, who the fuck is Paul? He chased him through the house and tax. When he stabs Mindy's girlfriend, he gets up in there. And I'm guessing that this was Ethan at this point. I'm guessing. But gets up in there. And then when he turns the knife to the side, I've seen people twist knives, but this was like a, a backward C he does on her fucking belly button and then picks it up. I was just sitting there going, even the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, God damn it. That looks like it hurts. Oh, by the way, I see no reason to see this in 3d. Saw it in 3d the second time. I, if you like 3d a whole lot, it's got the multiple layers and all that. Otherwise, I mean, I don't get it. But she lived far longer after that than I thought she would. I mean, you would think she'd be gushing blood into the floor. But she lives for a good few more minutes, right? And then you've got the the, the scene that was in the trailer with the ladder, which was it was it's an intense scene. But it didn't get really intense until fucking uh, her character got on that ladder. When she's on that and then Ghostface shows up. I love all their faces. They're like, <gasps> when you see that in your friend's face. Like, if you fall down, you know, like skateboarding or like just walking if you're old, you know, like me. And you fall down and you're like, is it bad? Is it bad? And then you look at your friends and they're like, oh, you know you're fucked. So when they all made that face, she was like, what? It's like, what the fuck do you think? Ghostface is behind you. It's like, oh. And then when he picks up that ladder, that was intense. I'm sorry. That was really intense. When he's just jerking it and shaking it and doing all that, I was, man, like my butthole got so tight. And that's what happens to me when I'm around heights. Like my butt just feels weird. Does that happen to anyone else? I literally get around gravity. I'm like, oh, it's sucking me down through my butt. I'm going to fall. I don't know. I'm weird. But that scene really got to me. That was, a again, another classic ghost face moment to add to the, the litany of awesome ghost face moments in this movie that I'm so glad exists in this franchise. Intense, amazing scenes. And just the reason why I love this movie overall. The Billy flashback scenes were not as good in this one, in my opinion. I'm always happy to see Skeet Skeet hanging out. But I, just the dialogue felt off. It felt a little bit forced the first time she runs in. He's like, let's go get our murder on and kill some motherfuckers. I was like, it worked better in the last one when you were like, let's get out there and slit some fucking throats. Like that sounded like Billy Loomis getting angry. This sounded like perpetually angry Billy Loomis. But it's weird. I mean, she's never met her fucking dad. So she's just imagining them. <laughs> it's not going to be perfect. Um, so that wasn't my favorite dialogue. The second time he pops up and he's like, you know, you need to clear, grab a knife and clear this room out. I thought that was way closer to, to what was going on there. So I did like that. Uh, and let's talk about the, the fucking bear in the room. Is that what people say? Cocaine bear in the room? Uh, the stew situation. So here's how they handled stew, right? And first off, I'm like, God damn it. I've had some people message me and be like, see, Stu's finally dead. I'm like, bitch, what movie did you watch? Because I watched a different one. And A... You must not know my theory because him being dead, in my theory, everybody thinks he's dead because it would make no sense if he was in prison this whole time or some shit if nobody mentioned him. So, yeah, of course, everyone thinks he's dead. His death was faked. That's a whole video. I feel like I have to explain it every time. 
ask me in the comments if you if you don't know what I mean. I'll explain the whole thing to you. I'm just going to start copying and pasting my theory because I think it makes sense. And I think it's still alive. Still alive. <laughs> they show the board when Hayden Pinatieri is talking, and, or Pinatieri, and they show the board and it's got Stu on it and it says dead 1996. And people are like, <laughs> I told you Stu was dead. <laughs> no. And then later on in the movie, literally, she's talking to Mindy, and Mindy's like, she's like, yeah, that's the TV that killed Stu. She's like, yeah, if you believe he's dead. So see, like, even in that universe, there's the possibility of it for sure. They kept that door open. They closed it for a second, and they didn't really truly close it because it'd be so easy to come back from. And then they kicked that fucker back wide open, the door that wasn't shut in the first place. And again, if you look up, a story came out the other day where they literally asked them about it, and they were like, hey, never say never. It could happen. The directors, Kevin Williamson, Stu... I'm not saying he's alive. I'm saying he could be alive. We need to meet in the middle on this motherfucker, guys. We're on to, I think, around the reveal territory. Uh, at least we're circling the end here. Uh, there, There is the scene in the park, which I liked. It was a nice throwback to, to Randy's whole situation. Uh, I dug that, and it, it did a good job. For people that say I knew the reveal the whole time, I feel like that scene did a really good job making the reveal a surprise. I think the park scene did a good job of really setting up that reveal for sure. But when you get to the reveal and they're back at the place and the, the movie tells you it's Kirby because he calls and he's like, I called Kirby's not worked there for months. It sounds like the ending to a movie, doesn't it? Doesn't that just seem like a twist that would happen in a movie? When do we see Jamie Lee's breasts? But it was, and that would have worked for me too, to be honest with you. Like I wouldn't have hated that if, if Kirby had trapped him all there because it was kind of leading into that too. The scenes that happened in that movie theater were just awesome awesome i get and I, I the main gripe i've seen from people is that they didn't like the reveal and i mean that, that's okay even if i didn't like the reveal the movie's the movie you know what i'm saying like that doesn't kill the whole movie for me i don't watch these movies just for the reveal but you do you know you got to get that at least partly right uh, or it can really just put a dent in the movie and it did for a lot of people from what i'm seeing but i think most people enjoyed it i i enjoyed the reveal like i can't say to you that when i'm watching that third mask about to come off I had hopes and dreams of just something wild and crazy. I didn't think it was going to be Stu. I haven't thought it was, Stu was going to be in this movie for a while. I think he's going to be maybe in seven. But, like, whoever was going to be under there, I'm thinking, oh, shit, surprise town. Because you can kind of deduce, you know, at that point. But the third killer, who the fuck is that? And, by the way, I love that Mindy was like, uh, or Sam was like, Mindy? It's probably Mindy. I'm like, what the fuck is she? Why did she go right to Mindy? I feel like they, they should make a joke about that in the next movie for sure. But when it's revealed as Quinn, I'm like, okay, that's the only part of the reveal I didn't really love. And that's because she faked her death, right? And it makes sense. I mean, it honestly does make sense. It's almost the exact same thing I said sort of happened with Stu. So it made me sort of happy because I'm like, everybody's like, you can't switch bodies around. That's my whole thing with Stu is that, like, he was almost dead. They got him in the ambulance. He's still out of pulse. The rich dad, look at their fucking house, was like, hey, Sheriff, you owe me a favor. Help me. And they switched out the bodies with one of the kids who left to go see Principal Henry's body driving drunk, got in a wreck and was all burnt up. And there you go. Dental sw record switcheroo. Then they kept him in hiding all this time. So I, I did kind of... I'm getting better at making that fast. Like a one-minute fucking stew elevator pitch. But anyways, yeah, the whole thing, like, I literally put some prosthetics on her in her room real quick, threw her out at you guys, then switched out the body. It is pretty, um, you know, 23 skidooed. You know, like, it, it, you got to stretch believability a little bit. But this franchise has always done a touch of that here and there, for sure. So didn't love it, but... It made for a good surprise. And for all the people I see saying, like, I, I knew it was coming. I, I hated the reveal. I'll tell you, the theater I was in, literally, the gasps. And for every every single one. Not 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 for Ethan, but for the detective and her. Like, uh, everybody in the theater was like, oh, my 
my god you know like you could hear people freaking out and in shock over it like no not Mulroney Duchovny he's an X-Files agent but yeah and my favorite part about the reveal again this is something some people I've seen don't like and I I understand that because I I, you know I see it I loved how crazy he went and it's just how off the wall he felt to me the way that like Mickey did when Mickey at the end of the movie revealed himself and just started acting like a fucking nut. I always enjoyed that over the topness for this franchise. And I thought Mulroney did that as well. And I I loved it. I love it when the killer does that and they did it again here. And it was cool to see him do that because he's usually such a stern kind of stoic character. I thought he showed a lot of like range in this movie with the way he reacted to things. And I know some people didn't like it. They thought it was the line delivery is bad or that it was over the top. And that's fine. Uh, just the difference of opinion, I guess I, I really enjoyed that. He went for it and had fun. As far as the motives go, and this is the reason I had to watch the movie a second time before I even did a spoiler review, because there's so much going on in this movie. And my favorite part about the movie is it just feels like a ride. When stuff like this happens, I mean, we're in this big shrine place, this person's getting stabbed, people are just popping out and stabbing people around. It doesn't let you catch your breath at the end of the movie. And it's just crazy, and it's over the top, and it's wild. It just felt like a royal fucking rumble. I just had a good time with it, you know? Um, I really enjoyed it. I didn't get hung up on the particulars, although I understand there's tiny plot holes. How is this person here, there, all this. I understand all that, but I was just, it was so entertaining to me and I just had such a good time with it. Couldn't wait to watch it again. I find it super rewatchable and I, I loved it, man. So it was pandemonium in that room. How badass John McClane was that scene, by the way, when, when Tara's hanging there. And by the way, Ortega's amazing in this too. Um, when she's hanging there and she has the knife, she's like, let me go. So that story comes full circle. And then I don't know why I made a heart or a big ass. <laughs> That's a big ass. Let's say Al Pacino and heat. Cause she got a big ass and you got your head all the way up she grabs that knife and just jumps down, takes a stab in the stomach because that's a flesh wound in the Scream franchise, but puts that knife in his mouth and then twists it. Grab his dick and twist it. When <laughs> she puts, I've never seen someone do that in a movie before. She puts the, the, the buck knife deep down in his throat and then twists it. Wow, that was cool. I loved it. She's like, you're going to die a fucking virgin. And back to Sam, I just want to say, I predicted in this movie that she was going to fucking eat you know, like, I feel like I liked her a lot in five people didn't. I thought she was in a really awkward situation in that movie. And I thought she handled it just fine. Uh, she was a really just in between a whole lot of stuff going on. This time was her time to shine. I thought she did when she goes crazy with the knife on folks. All right. And I love the backstory. I love how all that works. And when she finally gets the knife in her hand and gets to kill people, my God, it's hot. I mean, believable, just totally believable. She's got those fucking arm muscles, man. And she's just, it's just fluent. You know, I want to watch her kill some folks. I do. And I know that sounds weird, but dude, when she got Mulroney and was just going at his arm, just fucking sneaky, sneaky, sneaky Wolverine style weapon X. I enjoyed the shit out of it, man. I'm like, she's badass, but not just that. I thought emotionally she did a great job. She showed her range a lot more. I think she, a lot of her detractors have got to be sitting back going, Hey, I need to really rethink this. And I thought they would. I thought she ruled in this fucking movie. She's one of my favorite characters in the in the new franchise, in the core four and all that. Uh, speaking of, another great moment when they're back-to-back facing the ghost face. Holy shit, man. That, that, that Chad scene, when, by the way, Chad beats the fuck out of him. He got some shots in, and that makes sense, because he's like a fucking boxer. Look at him. But when he gets in the fight with Ghostface, that felt real natural. I like the action scenes that were going on there. But when they come up and stab him, and they're holding him there, and they're stabbing him over and over again... 
I've wanted to see a scene like that in this franchise for a while. There's a moment like that in the Scream 3 script where two ghost faces kind of pin Sydney and they kill a guy. But uh, in the first Aaron Kruger Scream 3 script, I did a video about it. I put it at the end of this. They both look up and it's two ghost faces. And once again, I'm like, Sharon Stone! No, I'm like, call it a ghost face! It's called a ghost face! I did it! I guessed it! Yay! I'm like fucking Mindy, where she's pissed. She's like, God damn it, I missed, I got the killers wrong again. Um, that, that's literally me watching this. I'm like, oh man, I thought we were going to get to our call to ghost face. Uh, ultimately we're very wrong about that. Did not get a call to ghost face, but got moments like that. And you know, the gas station scene and stuff like that. Amazing moments that if it was a call to ghost face, it'd be really cool. And that option for Stu to still be behind this still on the table, in my opinion, another conversation, another day. But when they both stood up and did the knife thing at the same time, I was like, oh, shit. That's that's way more exciting to me than it should be. And so much of this movie was. This movie just got the action, the ghost face being mean and cruel and, and, and the fight scenes and all that stuff. There's a couple times where ghost face would miss and stab somebody in the shoulder or like Tara just like put a jujitsu move on him and knocks him into a trash can. I'm like, that seemed pretty easy. But like, there's a couple of those moments and that's okay because it's backdropped by some mean, hateful ass ghost face, some awesome ghost face one-liners, some just really cool stuff, man. And some explosive, just this movie just, it's just huge. It's in your face. It has to be seen in a theater. It's full of action. It's, it's full of scarier moments than you're used to in a, in a franchise that's gone this deep for sure. Uh, I just, I absolutely love this movie, man. It was a fucking ride. Um, and of course, once again, back to the motive being part of the motive was that obviously they're Richie's family. So, and yeah, that is a little bit like, I never get too excited. It's like, Oh, it's so-and-so's family member. I'm like, Ugh. you know, but like, honestly, it's the sixth movie, man. It's, it's gotta be really hard unless you're really going to pull from like the past and shit like that. And like, you know, the, by the way, they said Joe Roberts was dead as well. Uh, and just it's going to be hard every single movie to come up with something that ties into like the original or, or something that just really blows your mind. And I think that was part of the thing in this one. It's like, Hey, let's not focus so much on surprising people with the reveal. We don't want to go into like M night Shyamalan's like dark territory where like he was forced to do a twist and it, and it ruined some, some good movies otherwise. And let's make the movie really, really good. And then make just a solid, reveal like to me the movie's not all about the reveal so that didn't upset me that bad but i understand some people really had their hopes and dreams up for something that was going to blow their minds but there's so much to, to dive into that and part of it was i did like the, the the twist on the on the motive where it's like yeah no we assassinated your character online first and started that rumor because these days it's not enough to kill somebody you have to you have to kill their or you have to assassinate their character as well something along those lines i kind of like that because it kind of you gave you a little bit of like current event stuff like that but also really stuck it kind of to like this this story more than anything else, but they gave you a little salt and pepper at the end of the day. Every scream film cannot have every good thing about every scream film in it. There's just not enough time, you know? And I think what they did with this movie, the things that they picked to make different and huge. Uh, I do think that this ghost face felt different. I did. And he was different because, you know, a, it was a cop by the way, uh, B there was three of them. They were a family, a dad and his two kids doing it. It's kind of fucked up. You know what I mean? This one was more violent. This one had the capabilities to do things in the middle of the city, right? In broad daylight because they were in New York. There's a lot of different stuff to it. No, it wasn't like, you know, I was hoping obviously it was going to be like a military guy or somebody they hired or someone with like crazy, like black ops skills and shit like that. But it being a detective does show that like, you know, okay, that makes sense. This, this guy would be trained in how to fight and things like that. Uh, and again, at the end of the movie, he kind of seems like he forgets how to do all that. But once again, he just watches two kids get killed in front of him. And he's kind of having a mental break anyways. 
So I think, I mean, he was kind of hurting for a squirting. <laughs> he was kind of like, hey, I'm ready to fuck. I'm going to go out guns a blazing. Uh, I do love that 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 Kirby used the TV to uh, to kill old dude. The only thing I didn't like about Ethan raising from the dead and running at him was that he screamed. I'm like, dude, you just had a knife twisted in your throat. It's hard for me to believe that you'd be screaming anything other than... <laughs> but I guess, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how the how the anatomy works when it comes to having a huge fucking knife in your throat and whether or not you can yell afterwards. So, uh, so yeah, as far as the reveal goes, yeah, it, it's, it's not the airtightest thing I've ever seen. It's not, it's not the best reveal I've ever seen in a scream franchise, but I think the movie that preceded it was so great and in your face and fucking awesome and fun that the reveal did not need to be the greatest reveal in the history of the world. And it, and it left some room for, for a couple things here and there. Would I like to see that tightened up? Sure. It just, again, it does. It's the reason the movie's a nine and not a 10 for me. And it may even go down to like an 8.5. The more and more I let some of this stuff sink in, but it's the reason why it's around an eight and a half to a nine and not a 10 for me. Cause tiny imperfections, but the overall experience of the movie was a blast and I loved it. And it felt like scream and all the, fucking awesome ways that scream is scream scream six feels like scream scream guys i think we may have covered it all uh the end there i'm 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 looking forward to thinking about for a while what that ending means when sam's like thinking about maybe i'm just gonna go fucking dexter and like kill some people for funsies when she's looking at the mask but then she drops it the camera pans away and still alive comes on awesome walkout song by the way i love the way that that felt that just felt like fucking movies to me man cinema I don't know where they're going to go with all that. Uh, I'm curious to see. There is a post-credit sequence not worth waiting on. It's literally, it's funny, but like the, the credits come up and then it's Mindy and she goes, she goes, not every movie needs a, uh, a post-credit sequence or whatever. And then it ends. I, I was hoping people were like, stay after the credits. I was like, stew, 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 stew. And it was just a joke. And I was like, fuck my ass. I love the movie though. Uh, again, 8.5 to a 9 out of 10 for me. Uh, I call it an 8.75 out of 10. Um, I really love it. And I enjoy it. And I'm so happy Radio Silence is doing Scream. And I'm so happy we're getting Scream 7. And I can't wait to fucking see it. And I can't wait to talk to you guys about it all on Monday. We're going to have the best time. It's going to be amazing. I'm sure I miss shit here. Comment down below. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in the stream. How did you guys feel about all this stuff? I love all your fucking faces so much. You are Sharon Stone to me. I uh, hope you guys have an amazing day. Halloween never ends, suck my fucking dick, and I don't really care what Blumhouse fucking says. Put him in a box, but suck a fucking cock. You can say he's dead, but we all know he's not. Yeah. So let's go trick or treating, let's go fucking drinking, let's all go in pumpkin head on VHS. Cause Halloween never ends, Halloween never ends, Halloween never ends. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Mark Wahlberg, and I just wanted to take a second to talk to you about We Watched a Movie. They got a really good Patreon going on over there. They'll do videos for you based on any of their characters. They'll do commentaries for you. They'll do movie reviews for you. They got behind-the-scenes videos. You got 20% off of all their merch. They'll even make you your own video store card like Blockbuster back in the day. They got commentaries just sitting there waiting to be fucked by your movie ears. I'll put the link below. We gotta outrun the wind.